Will EV charging stations be coming to a town near you? Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen of Renew Missouri, a 501c3 committed to renewable energy and energy efficiency policy. Here in the Renew Missouri studios is Council Tim Opitz. Tim, hello. Hello out there in podcast land. Or world. Or world. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> uh, we also have Emily Piontek, our research clerk. Hi, James. Hi. I know you don't like how I say your last name. <laughs> That's, I think, the, the closest you've gotten. Oh, okay. So, well, <laughs> we'll take it. Well, why don't you say it? Piontek. Piontek. Well, that wasn't any different than what I said. It's, it's you all get good. A little, yeah. It's all good. You enunciate it a little Do bit. I enunciate it too much? Yeah. I'm trying to be helpful. We'll just say Pontiac. Pontiac? Me. Emily Pontiac? Okay. And <laughs> running the boards. Like the man behind the magic, Matt Patterson. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Okay. So, um, we, we were supposed to be doing a podcast last week. Uh, we were very busy with the uh, end of the year energy law uh, CLE that we did last Friday, which is very successful. If you want to obtain a copy of that, we just edited it and put it on YouTube. So we'll send you a link for a donation. Uh, so that's uh, something we were working on last week. We did not get to this. One thing that we were wanting to do uh, this summer was look at pieces of legislation uh, that were of note in the 2019 legislative session here in Missouri and kind of giving an update and a recap about what happened why it matters, and what it means moving forward. And last time we did this, uh, Andrew uh, was here talking about the low-income how uh, low-income housing tax credit and the reforms that were proposed on that. Today, we're going to be talking about electric vehicle charging station jurisdiction. <laughs> and the reason we're going to talk about that is because I'm really excited about it. That's why I laughed extra hard, my stage <laughs> laugh. Um, <laughs> Is okay. So a bill passed uh, this year uh, in the session. Uh, it was House Bill 355 uh, that basically changed the definition for certain things that would allow EV charging stations to give to make it easier for rural electric cooperatives and municipalities and private individ individuals easier access to being able to build these things. And the question that we should start because we want to work backwards from this a little bit is. Why did we need this law to begin with? <laughs> and so that's what we kind of want to talk about, because that bill did uh, pass the House. It passed the Senate. It is now awaiting Governor Parson's uh, signature or veto. Um, and he has until July 14th to do that. So, um, Tim, uh, electric vehicle charging stations, good, bad? What do you think? I <laughs> I think they're good. Okay. Uh, which is good. What a relief. <laughs> good, because otherwise I might not work here. Anymore, right? <laughs> Although, I mean, it's not as though we've always had the same position on this. I mean, we've had, we've had, and just to kind of let people know, we, we've, we've thought about this a little bit. Um, but, I mean, kind of talk about, like, it's been pretty recent that we've been talking about electric vehicle charging stations in Missouri, right? Right. I'd say the uh, discussion on electric vehicle charging station in Missouri really began in... Uh, 2015, when Kansas City Power and Light 
of now Evergy, or soon to be Evergy. I think they're still working on it. Still working on it. Because all of their email addresses um, say KCPNL still. Well, so they uh, decided they were going to go out and to give their customers and the community this service of electric vehicle charging, uh, construct about a thousand charging stations in the Kansas City metro area. So that's on Missouri and Kansas side. Yeah. Because um, KCPNL provides service to both states. That's right. And because you've got about, what, a million people in Johnson County, Kansas, uh, which, by the way, Wyandotte County is, I think it's a county-ran uh, utility, so they don't actually cover that. But there's quite a few people in Johnson County, commuters, as we call them. Um, and then a lot of people work over in Johnson County, too. Uh, so you have that on both Johnson County and Kansas City, Missouri, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, and so... I'm very good with my Kansas geography. So they went ahead and put those in. And so the way that uh, rate making works in Missouri is usually the utility has to make an investment and then they file a rate case. And if that investment is in service, they get to build it in rates and recover money for that. Right. Um, so they filed their rate case. In 2016. In 2016. Right. And they seek recovery of, they, they call it their clean charge network. Right. Um, it was pretty controversial yeah. um, because not a lot of people really understood what was going on or how this would benefit customers. Yeah, because, I mean, about the same time the KCPNL filed the rate case, the Public Service Commission had a workshop or was some sort of presentation on EV charging stations. Do you remember this? We were both at public council at the time. <clears throat> um, I believe they had one um, around that time, and I think it was partially driven by the filing yeah. of KCPL. So really, KCPL got things kicked off yeah. with their initiative to do this. Okay, so they okay, so they come in basically when okay, so I, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but when utility companies come in with a rate case, I mean they are coming in for things they, I mean they're supposed to come in for things they've already built, things they're already using, and they just say to the Public Service Commission, Public Service Commission, we built this, we're using it, and now we want the ratepayers to pay us back for what we did. That's right. Yeah, so they did that with these EV charging stations. They did that. And so their goals, um, they said, well, first, we want to eliminate range anxiety. Yeah. And doing that will increase EV adoption in the Kansas City area. It's going to support drivers of EVs that don't have dedicated home charging. Yeah. Um, you know, people that might live in apartment complexes or something right. of that nature. Um, and it'll enable long-distance travel. Um, so that's really why they did that. Um, now, range anxiety is something you mentioned. Emily, we were talking a little off mic. You've had experience with range anxiety, have you not? I have. Um, Tell I us about unfortunately it. Unfortunately, don't have an electric vehicle, um, but a friend of mine does, and we were planning a road trip to um, northern Arkansas, and then the consideration of where we would stop to charge the car on the way um, kind of defined how we the route that we were going to take to our destination. So, so when you're going to northern Arkansas, how many hours are you talking about? How long was that going to take? Well, I think remember? it was about eight an eight-hour drive, um, and then there was going to be... Eight hours to northern Arkansas? I think so, yeah. This was last February. It was a while. Um, but then making the trip longer... Are you sure you were fact... taking a buggy? Covered wagon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were going to take a Tesla, so... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we would have gotten there fast. No, um... Uh, Fort, Fort Smith, Smith. yeah. Fort so, Smith. Oh, okay, yeah, that could be eight hours. hours. Okay, it's three um, hours from Fort Smith to Springfield. Sorry, so. um, I didn't mean to like question. <laughs> yeah, I was the one planning <laughs> okay. the road trip. Um, but 
to um, get back to the range anxiety. Point, yeah, um, please. We were going to have to stop in Joplin to charge the car, and it was going to take oh, about two hours. And so we were trying to plan dinner around. Was that eight hours, including the two hours for the charging? No. So it would take no. ten hours then. Yeah, it would have been a much longer oh, day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And the only EV charging station you could find between Columbia, Missouri and Fort Smith. Fort Smith, Smith Arkansas. I was going to say Fort Scott, um, but that's in Kansas. Fort Smith, Arkansas was in Joplin. At the time, yeah. At the time. Um, and then I didn't have the car, but the owner was using an app to figure out where all the charging stations were. I don't want to... And that's range anxiety. Yes. Okay. Thank you for you're that worried that you won't be able to get where you're going because you yeah. can't... As opposed to the anxiety I have every time we do one of these podcasts, which is just regular anxiety. So, um... Or pod anxiety. Did you say pod, pod anxiety? Pod anxiety. Pod anxiety. <laughs> I wasn't sure what you said there for a second. All right. So, in addition to range anxiety, there's a couple other barriers to yeah. adoption. Uh, one is a lack of customer awareness and understanding of how EVs work. Yeah. Um, and how they can perform. Um, another is... A lack of awareness about the initial cost and right. their subs- subsequent fuel costs or electricity costs. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, I guess what we're talking about here, which is a lack of sufficient and suitable charging infrastructure. Yeah. So, and, but there was also like another question. This is more legal and policy driven than about just these other considerations. I mean, all these other things are policy driven, of course. But there's a question about what the PSC had to do with EV charging stations. There was a question about whether they should be even regulating these in the first place, wasn't there? Right. So at the time that KCPL had filed its rate case, which is a, you know, a very thorough review of their, their record, so it takes 11 months or so. Um, in the meantime, Also a controversial subject, but that's another podcast. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> Amarin, um also wanted to get in on the action of electric vehicle charging. Yeah. Um, they put forward a pilot proposal for... I-70 charging, I think it was between Columbia and St. Louis. They wanted to, right. to own a few stations there. Which a lot of that is Ameren service territory between Columbia and St. Louis. Uh, Safe to say? I mean, um, a lot of it is. Yeah, I think there's yeah. uh, what's not co-op, there's um, yeah. Ameren service territory. Right, right. right. Um, so that kind of went along the same time that the Kansas City Power and Light case was going on. Uh-huh. And in those cases, the commission rejected both of them and said, mm-hmm. um, look, these charging stations are not electric plant, as defined by um, Missouri Public Service Commission law. Um, the product is not selling electricity. The project it, product is this unregulated, quote unquote, charging service. Right. Um, and charging service is not something that's a natural monopoly that the Public Service Commission should or needs to regulate. Right, because, yeah, and I think that's something that's interesting that kind of goes to the ultimate question of the Public Service Commission. I mean, their job is to serve, or I mean, this is a theory anyway, that because utilities don't have natural competition, I mean, because you can't uh, necessarily have competitive utilities. Um, I mean, they're, that's a... More, that's a loaded question, but I mean, basically the answer, the idea is this regulation serves as a check to that, and they're supposed to, it's kind of supposed to be mimicking competition. And part of the argument was that if EV charging stations are something that private entities could do, there was no point in trying to say, like, oh, we should regulate utility companies from doing this, because there should be a marketplace, it's put, where they do compete with gas stations, with hotels, with whoever, to, um, you know, serve this market. Right. I mean, I... Competition is a great way to incent people to do things. Yeah, we're capitalists here. Uh, Some of us. You can guess which ones. <laughs> no. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, I mean, but that was that was an argument that people had. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't, that and, it, and, it wasn't and it wasn't just um, you know office public counsel that espoused that, which is who we were. That's who at we the time. Were for at the time before I got fired. And then before I poached you from them. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, yeah, the trip down memory lane. Oh, I know. It's great memories. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so Amron didn't appeal their um, deci- the decision by the commission. Right. But KCPNL did. Yeah, because, okay, so this is important because KCPNL uh, in February of 2017 has this two to three week long rate case. Those things don't normally go to trial. They don't usually go to hearing. But this one did. And the result was they said, oh, you're not going to get reimbursed for these EV charging stations. Right, which it was kind of an interesting um, decision in that case, um, at least the impact on ratepayers, because by denying them to recover this due to the mechanisms of tax credits that were involved with these charging stations, it actually made rates higher than they would have been had they included these. (laughs) Right. Oh, well. <laughs> At least in the short term. Right? Oh, okay. So, um, so anyway, uh, so, so that, along with a few other issues, um, KCPNL um, appealed the case. Yeah. Um, Which Public Service Commission appeals go to the Western District Court. In Kansas City. Um, so they had briefing and argument, and ultimately the court said, PSC, what are you doing? You right. Know, of course this is electric plant. Of course they're not selling a charging service. You're plugging in a car and you're getting electricity from it. You know, this is a regulated activity. Yeah, because I think some of the analogies I've read is they talk about like, well, if you have an RV and you go to an RV park and you plug it in um, and you get power from that, you're not, they're not, that's not an electric plant. Or that, I mean, wait a minute, I screwed that analogy up. All right, I said that. Huh? Yeah, uh, I'm talking about the butcher's arm. Uh, no, sorry, that's from Tommy Boy, in case some of you millennials are listening. Um, so, okay, basically they were saying, like, yes, of course they are providing this power, and it's something that you should be able to regulate. Let's go back to that. Yeah, the, the court said that. <laughs> well, and the court yeah. kind of, and you and I have talked about this, they applied a pretty strict reading of the statute. They said, PSC, they these are what the words say, you can't read into them. Right. You basically have to apply them as they're written. Yeah, usually, I mean, so basically to get a little bit into appellate law here is when you're talking about statutes and you're talking about what the legislature uh, has um, has written. I mean, they're basically saying, like, you need to look at the plain language. You need, I mean, if it's not defined somewhere, you need to understand, like, you know, you can't add words to this. You've got to look at it and say, well, obviously the legislature knew what they were doing. <laughs> You know, that's the assumption you make <laughs> as an appellate court, and that you can't add to that. You shouldn't be able to interpret it uh, any more than what you can take from the language. Right. So they said, okay, well, you can't, you're adding words to this, is basically what the Court of Appeals said. Yeah, the Court of Appeals said that. And so I guess the process is they uh, remanded it back to the commission. Right. And said, commission, you got it wrong on the law, so evaluate this case um, yeah. going forward. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, because that's usually what happens with these cases. Like, if, well, in most cases, I mean, it's hard to win a case at an appeal. That's very tough to do. Let's just say that, first of all. Um, but when you, if you do win and you get a remand, that means that it goes back to who made the decision, and basically they have to redo it, understanding what the court told them, 
and they have to do it under that guidance. Right. And so they did. But something else happened because the Public Service Commission staff looked at this um, looked at this, and they basically came to the conclusion. And I, I want this to be clear. This wasn't written down somewhere. You can't go find this. But I guess the Public Service Commission staff is telling people that we believe this uh, court case means we have to regulate and approve every EV charging station built in the state, which um, includes if you're a hotel and you want to build, want to put an EV charging station or a restaurant, perhaps the restaurant, Emily, that you were going to stop at with your friend. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't maybe, I don't know. <laughs> or, or more importantly to uh, this discussion and getting to this statute, uh, municipal utilities and rural electric cooperatives. Now, uh, Tim, municipal utilities and rural electric cooperatives, regulated by the PSC or no? No. I mean, <laughs> so, well, so the, the real answer is it's complicated because there's territorial, of agree- course it's territorial agreements, et cetera, that should be approved. But for rate setting, for service areas, that yeah. sort of thing, they're not regulated. Munis are Chapter 91. Uh, co-ops are Chapter 394. Emily, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you noticed that if there's anything we do that isn't complicated around here? No. Even the utility or electricity-related acronyms are complicated. The TLAs, <laughs> as we call down, them. Yeah. The three-letter acronyms. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to tell that joke answer. every chance I get. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to have that aside yeah, so, because so, we're very so there was this worry out there <laughs> because of this Western District case yeah. that um, there was going to be unintended consequences that said, um, look, everybody has to be regulated now. Everybody has to um, come forward, make these filings before the Missouri Public Service Commission, get their rates set by the commission right. after it's audited. Um, it really would have created a lot of work and um, for limited benefit, right? In my view, right? Because I mean, ultimately, uh, okay. Because yeah, the rural electric cooperatives in the state are fairly unregulated. I mean, they they kind of, they're they're not for profits. There's 43 of them. They don't really have a lot of oversight. I mean, they obviously have some federal oversight. They have to abide by laws, but they don't. But their board sets their rates. Uh, their board sets their management practices. That's often with the Public Service Commission. The investor-owned utilities are guided by that. The municipal utilities, you know, most cities have, most big cities have like a board that oversees that utility, but mainly it's city council's ultimate authority. Well, on it's ha- the voters' ultimate authority. Well, of course. <laughs> um, but yes, the voters, in, in, you know, instill to the city council with that, uh, with that work. But you're right, it's ultimately the public. Just like the Public Service Commission represents the public, sort of. (laughs) They'll say that, although what they say is they balance the interest of the public and the utility. So they don't even really do it either. Um, Comment? (laughs) I think that uh, people take different views on that. Yeah, yeah, pick your words carefully. I've set a trap for you. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, at, at the end of the day, they set uh, just and reasonable rates. Yeah, so because I mean, obviously, because you utility- want them to make enough money to be able to continue yeah. providing the service. I mean, because yeah, the utilities. I mean, look, they're investor-owned. They have they sell stocks. I mean, they have to make some sort of profit, and that generally their rate of return is set by the Public Service Commission, and so that's all based on things they build and things they do. So part of that is okay. So I guess the question is ultimately, Tim. Why is it important that um, 
a utility company take on this role of building EV charging stations? Well, I think um, the simple answer is that they're... That's what I'm looking for. The best uh, <laughs> positioned actor in the world as it exists today to be able to encourage uh, the build out of the infrastructure um, and in order to encourage the services that these people are going to need who buy electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, and the reason that they're able to be best positioned for that is in part because they're able to charge rates um, to all of their customers right. uh, and recover their investment. Um, so let's say if I go out and I were to build my own charging station uh, and put it along I-70, Someday what would you call your charging station, Tim? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you think about that yeah. one. Or why don't you write in your suggestions to info at Um I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> okay. I think, uh, <laughs> I think it would be better. I, I would like to encourage our investor-owned utilities to do that. Yeah, okay. Um, but in this hypothetical, okay. if I were to do that and I have my one charging station, there's just not enough electric vehicles out there right now for me to be able to sell enough power um, to make money on that, right? Uh -huh. If I have to invest thousands of dollars on this charging station. Um, but the utility, they can put those in and they can um, spread those initial costs <laughs> among all of their regulated customers. Yeah. So it's not just a person at the charging station or at the pump yeah. paying for it. Right. And so, but I mean, ultimately, right. So, I mean, that's why it's important for utilities to consider this. But I mean, ultimately, it did seem like it would cause a little bit of a logistical headache to have every rural electric cooperative, every municipal utility, every private party, like say if you were wanting to uh, open pump and go pits, because that's what I thought I would name your EV charging station, because you're o pits instead of go pits, get it? And where's that... Uh Price is right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we... Maybe I should edit that out. No, you can keep my shame and humiliation. Where's the gong? gong? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or that hook that they do with the vaudeville shows. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So uh, we don't want, we don't want your... can do this. Yeah. And so some people may take issue with that and say, well, look, if I don't have an electric vehicle, why should I... Uh, why should I pay for it in my rates? That was my agent calling to say he was firing me for that joke. <laughs> Even if it's an imperceptible amount on the okay. utility bill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that Amarin, in their recent, they, they came back with a um, charge ahead program and a business solutions program. Right. Um, and they made the, the argument um, that we supported at Renew Missouri that in the long run, and even in the short run, putting in these charging stations to the extent that it's necessary and that it will uh, increase EV adoption, um, they're going to sell more power. And when the utility sells more power, um, the billing units increase. Right. And so their volumetric rates should see, yeah. they may not go down, but they're going to see a depressed um, increase. Okay. Right. right. And I mean, ultimately. So, so all customers should be better off if EVs are adopted widely. Right, because I mean, there are other benefits to that as well. I mean, that's like one of the things we articulated in Amron's case. Uh, we talked about how we thought this would help encourage more renewable energy, uh, that it kind of serves as like, you know, kind of helping like stabilize like storage and that sort of thing, stabilize use. I mean, we, we there are a lot of benefits to having this out there to every customer, in our opinion. 
And, and so that's financial. And then we mostly talk about policy and the financial benefits and the economic benefits of renewable energy. But um, KCPL, uh, they gave a presentation a few months ago talking about their clean charge network. And they talked about the environment, environmental benefits that we've seen right. from charging stations. Um, they said in their charging station, they've avoided uh, 1.3 million kilograms of greenhouse gas emissions is what they estimate. Um, and so the way that they vision that Emily, is, you're like smarter than us. Is that a lot? I mean, because I don't know metrics. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair <laughs> amount. Of okay. So, so they emissions. said, okay. they said that's like planting 34,000 trees and letting them grow for 10 years. Oh, wow. That's, so that's a big environment. That's impact. awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so in addition to ratepayer benefits, in addition to serving a need of customers who have EV cars, um, there's environmental benefits. Yeah. So, well, it, oh yeah, Emily, please. I just to add to that. I think there has also been a concern with EVs in Missouri um, that some of our IOUs rely pretty heavily on coal, even at this time. But um, over the past year, we've seen um, Ameren pledge um, or commit to a lot more renewable yeah. energy. We've got wind projects that are slated to come online in the next couple of years yeah. um, and things like that. So over time, um, we're going to see a continued transition to renewables yeah, for as its, the source for the EVs. Yeah, for its size, Ameren has yeah. historically been enormously coal-reliant. Yes. And, I mean, one of the problems and concerns I had initially when we started talking about this internally, and I think this might have even predated you coming here, was, well, if we promote this, are we promoting more coal power? Uh, ultimately, we decided that that is not what this is doing because now, yes, Ameren, as you said, has put forward this pretty ambitious process for building more wind. They've got approval for a lot of that. They've got some pending approval. We're working on that case. So we think Ameren's moving in a good direction. They can always do more. And, and KCPNL, historically, when you look at the wind in Kansas, they've got a pretty good track record on this, too. Yeah, their energy output is, um, I think... Some days, it's bordering on 50% of their energy yeah. produced is wind. And, and the big news yesterday, Empire Electric just got approval for their wind farm, which is going to be a huge part of what they do. But they, have, they don't have any EV charging stations that we're aware of that they're proposing that we know of yet. Not yet. I mean, they're, they're coming in with the right case. Maybe they'll have something in there. Who knows? After this, would they be more, after this case, would they be more likely well, I I, 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 cer I certainly think that having that precedent uh, that the public that the that the court of appeals said yes you can do this and yes you can get a recovery base. I mean I certainly think that yes that will that I mean that always lends to a little bit of stability like oh well a court said this so they can rely on that. It's one of the great things about democracy, folks. So now that's uh, <laughs> your lesson for the day, your civics lesson. But yes, Emily, that's right. And I don't know. I mean, Empire is smaller. Uh, than KCPNL and Ameren by quite a bit. They don't even have 200,000 customers. Um, am I right? That's still an accurate number. It's something like that. Right there, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they don't typically do these ambitious projects like Ameren and KCPNL do because they don't have the economies of scale. Um, but they are getting much better. I mean, Empire, I think, used to run more like a cooperative, and now it's really become like a leader, in my opinion, on some of these issues. Um, they're, they're really out there, which is good. Yeah, they've joined the, what century are we in? 21st century? Um, I think. I don't right. know. I, we keep going backwards, <laughs> yeah. I think, about certain things. Well, the social issues. Hard to keep uh, track here. Yeah. Issues, you know, there's uh, a lot of 
Uh, flex in the joints, I'd say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, we go through all this history to explain that when the Court of Appeals said this, and the PSC um, said, well, we believe this is going to be everything, that the legislature has to come in and say, okay, well, we're going to redefine how we talk about electric corporations, how we talk about electric plant, to make sure we specifically exclude munis, uh, co-ops and private individuals who are wanting to build EV charging stations. And that's what House Bill 355 does. And all this history led to that one simple fix. And then even when that wasn't simple, I mean, that took all session to get there. That wasn't like an easy, that wasn't something that was just, that just <laughs> sailed through. That, you know, it's, you know, all this stuff is really complicated. Yeah, it, well, I'll note that um, it wasn't just that in that, um, House bill. Oh, do tell. Other, there were a couple other things in there, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they related to uh, confidentiality between commissioners and their um, staff advisors. Yeah. So, so a lot of miscellaneous things were included in this I mean, bill. yeah, if you were to talk to some people who were a little opposed to that, I mean, okay, so the commissioners have advisors. They're not required to be lawyers. You know, obviously an attorney, a lawyer, uh, and who they advise has an attorney-client privilege you know there's a communication protection there but if you're not a lawyer um in theory this was this is not my analogy this is not my hypo somebody else's that if um an advisor was aware that a commissioner took a bribe <laughs> from somebody they had to be brought in to um testify about that but now they don't tim comment i mean i think that's a pretty extreme reading of the law but but somebody you, somebody could argue that. But somebody did make that reference in our CLE last week. Right. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying that's a possibility. It's a possibility. Okay. Uh, so that was in there too. Um, and so, yeah, we have in this law passed the House, as I said, passed the Senate. It's being awaited for um, Governor Parson's signature. And I do hope, because, I mean, I know that the rural electric cooperatives, in talking to them, they are interested in building out a network. And they're interested in, you know, doing that in rural parts of the state. And I think that's got a lot of potential. Um, well, and I think it will be necessary to reduce that range anxiety that we yeah. were talking about earlier. As hey, Emily, you know, you, you kind of do our policy stuff here. I mean, do you think that we're, I mean, I mean, do you think, I mean, do you see that there's going to be, a, I mean, do you think there's like a demand for this? Do you think there's like the trend is moving that we're going to need these EV charging stations? I mean, are there people saying like we're going to be building more of these? In the United States, well, what are you hearing out there on the street? What's the buzz? Well, I know that in Missouri this past year there was um, something floated um, in the legislature to sort of punish people who drive hybrids and electric vehicles by um, oh yeah by levying an additional yeah. fee on them, um, sort of in replacement for the gas tax. So um, it's hard to predict based on that how. That would affect um, EV adoption in Missouri if people are going to be. I think the background on that was that because we had a gas tax in the ballot last year and it failed. Yeah. Uh, that a way to get more revenue was to say, okay, well, if you're not spending as much money on gas because you have an EV <laughs> charging, we're going to charge you more to buy this vehicle. That was, I think, the rationale behind that. Regressive, yes. Um, but I think the, the purpose of it was to help address the fact that we don't have any money to build roads and bridges in Missouri. 
Yeah, um, I just I don't know how that would impact people who want to adopt or buy. I wouldn't say it'd be positive. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. So That's I'm more bullish say. on electric vehicle adoption um, because we are seeing. You know, we've got KCPL on the western side that has made this huge investment in charging stations. Uh, we have the Volkswagen settlement money, um, which is another source of funding for EV charging infrastructure to go along our corridors. We have Ameren, Missouri had a corridor charging program approved um, this year. So we're going to start to see the structure, but then on a, I guess, a larger macro scale, we're starting to see some of these large car companies come out with different models of 100% uh, electric vehicle. They're kind of getting away from the hybrid vehicles. They're moving towards all electric. Um, I've even uh, read a number of things talking about how uh, pickup trucks, um, mm. they're talking about making electric pickup trucks. Right. Um, which, you know, there's a lot of people in America and in Missouri especially who drive pickups. And it's sort of a... Like you. Like me, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need to move things Stuff. around. Right, yeah. 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 Um, so I think that there's larger things at macro uh, conditions occurring that are going to make uh, electric vehicles really um, expand in the next couple decades. And as my old econ professor, Dr. Mullen said, we're not squishing any more dinosaurs, so we gotta like do something about that, right? Yeah, that's right. Unless you have unless you have knowledge that we are gonna be squishing more dinosaurs. I, well, I, I think alligators are technically them. dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't think if we were getting the pot talk, we say birds are dinosaurs, man. Uh, turtles, I think, yeah. are dinosaurs. We could squish them and make oil. <laughs> Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, suggesting we that. should like go kill a bunch of turtles and like run our cars off. Uh, okay, you Tim Opitz. Yeah, Tim Opitz. Turtle hater. Turtle soup. Yeah. Okay. Um, any parting thoughts on this? Um, after the turtle you know, massacre I, over here. I will think about um, what I would name a hypothetical charging station company. How about Tim and Go? No. Okay. I mean, I think, wouldn't that sort of be like a trademark infringement uh, on an existing gas station company? I don't know. They should really change their name because I just think that's gross. Uh, well, there's a, there's a, you heard it here first. <laughs> I mean, people, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, you think about that. You have comments or suggestions. Write them in. Emily, anything you want to promote? Nothing no? right now. Just, I don't know. Don't kill turtles. Don't kill turtles. For your EVs. Pretty excited about <laughs> the Climate Action Plan passing in Columbia this week? Yeah, that was, um, that was exciting. I was. Uh, so was Matthew. Oh, and Matt, um, yeah. He helped write testimony that I was able to present, yeah. I believe. And Emily did a good job representing five local uh, local um, organizations here yeah. in Columbia, including Renew Missouri. So right. So good job. Passed seven to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. So now we actually got to make it work, right? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. just a resolution. So. Yeah. Like the Green New Deal, which we had a whole thing about, right? Hopefully a little more binding than we hope so. all of that. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, but that's where groups like us are important to help guide these regulators and policymakers into how to implement the goals that their constituents have. Boy, you said it, mister. <laughs> I think you're right. I, uh, I do like this group, <laughs> and I hope you all like this group, and I hope you all like what you heard today on Renew Gurus. If you uh, did dig this podcast, um, please share it on your social media networks. 
Uh, subscribe to it on Spotify and iTunes, and be sure to write all your positive reviews. All your negative reviews can come to an email where you're also suggesting what Tim is going to call his EV charging station. Um, we hope <laughs> we'll be back next week, so we're going to be doing two of these in a row. Uh, and uh, you know, in the meantime, keep reaching for the stars. <laughs>